I'm Washington Ali, and welcome to Project Become, a project uncovering the unspoken thoughts that stop us from living a life worth living. I'm not here to tell you what to do or who to be, and I certainly don't have the answers. I'm just hoping to uncover the secrets of the world while speaking with explorers, dreamers, thinkers, and creators. I hope we all find something that helps us accept who we've become and find something that helps us create someone we are proud of becoming. Welcome to Project Become. Today, I'm joined by a great friend, Leslie Zimbeva, aka Shaq, aka a creative, aka a generalist, aka someone who is truly, truly interested in the world, in psychology, within themselves, and also, of course, the madness that's going on around the world right now. Oh you boy. know? Oh boy. Wow. Um <laughs> Um, Washi, thank you so much for having me. First any, and foremost, um, anytime. Always. Are you ready? Yeah, I, I am ready. I've been waiting for this conversation. It's uh, it's been it's one that I think so many people are going to get so much value from. Um, so many people are going to maybe think differently about themselves and about the world. And at mm. least, at least, at very least, it's something that at least they can have a seed planted to start thinking differently. Uh, but before we get into right. all of that, my friend, um, please tell, please give us um, a 30 second, one minute elevator pitch about who you are, what it is that you do, and also describe yourself if you, if you'd like to. Um, so my name is Chuck or as some of my other friends call me Leslie. Um, I don't mind either or. Um, I'm 26 years old. I live in the northwest of England, the late district Kendall. And um, I just consider myself someone who's a curious individual and pays more attention than you would like to imagine on just the socioeconomic status and situations in the world and what's currently going on. And... Um, it's something that only a handful of people, my close friends, um, I really discuss and engage with these sort of conversations in. And I've always been big in psychology. I've always been big in um, philosophy as well and personal development books and just trying to master the difficult art of thinking critically and objectively and... Uh, yeah, that's pretty much me. Amazing. <laughs> sounds like to, to if I was listening, I'd be like, "Whoa, this guy sounds deep." <laughs> you know. Oh, um, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Um, but yeah, um, really, let's start. I, I'd really love to start with who it is you were being, who it is you used to be before you came to the sudden uh, realizations, before you made certain U turns in your life. Um, who is it that you used to be were you um shy were you adventurous were you always have you always been curious um yes and no um i think it basically really took off when i adapted and adopted a a good relationship with reading um at gcse level and then a level i really really enjoyed um english and english literature um i basically retook my gcses 
And the first time round, I didn't do too terribly, but I was able to like get a A in English and a B in Lit without really trying. And then as I decided to retake it, I was still naturally gravitated towards reading. And I was never good with numbers. I'm not a sciencey person. So with English literature, English language, and even history to a certain degree, I just stuck to those subjects more. And I was able to read and comprehend and absorb everything I was reading. So it was like a very natural um, uh, relationship that just manifested organically. Um, I had have quite a very um academic family and you know they're always big on like read 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 um playstation facebook phone comes way after studies kind of thing so i just got into that habit of reading and you know i then started to read things that i would personally enjoy and even at the age of like 14 15 16 i got really into like my health and fitness and it was more at that point, I think YouTube was a bit more of a, a popular medium and um, a good way to source information. But I would still do the very conventional thing of like reading a men's health magazine. And then at that same stage, my interest in fashion and um, pop culture started to grow. Um, and then I'd be reading like GQ magazines and stuff like that. So reading just really started to become something I genuinely enjoyed. So yeah, that that kind of got into got into more curiosity, and um, I think there's there's a lot that there's a lot that's happened in the last couple of years, last three years. Um, obviously, in the last two years, uh, you know, a, a lot of things have have uh, transpired. But already, like I said, I was already reading personal development books and. Um, there was a point where I'd just steal like my cousin's um, books from their shelf and their reading material. And it was mostly personal development books. Wow. So it was, even though it was, I was more than happy to leer into that realm. It was also one of those, that was the only option I had kind of thing. That's really So it was all like the classics, you know, how to win uh, friends, friends and influence, influence people. people. Uh, yeah. And then uh, what's the other classic that everyone... Um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, yeah. you know, like I'd, I'd read those books like three times over within a year and, you know, at a very, which isn't anything remarkable, but at a very relaxed pace, willingly. But I became one of those people uh, where I wasn't as focused on how many books I read in a year, let's say. Mm -hmm. It was more of a thing of how well did I understand that book? you know and the other thing is that i'm actually a very slow reader so i have to really be fixated on what i'm reading yeah. for it to fully go in so i'm not ashamed or really bothered to then go back a few pages if i haven't understood the couple of pages tell me this so that's where yeah, yeah, yeah. what is it about the books did you want to get I heard that you built the habit of reading, that you, you kept, grew mm. up in a family of academics, so reading was just, it was like, for, it was like dinner. My uncle says to me, like, yeah, you, you, you got to eat, eat books, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, so 
what what was your purpose of like continuing to grab those books? Because I personally know that personal development books have this addictive nature. You read one and you think you're not good enough. Then you see another book and then you're like, oh my goodness, there might be some secret in there that I might yeah. not have unlocked. What what was your that was so that's how I moved through a personal development book. How about book? Sorry, how about yourself? Like, what made you um, want to keep on picking up the books? Um. Well. The one thing that I've noticed, and I think studies do show this, is that men naturally tend to gravitate more towards um, non-fiction books as compared to girls. And, you know, that's a piece of information that I didn't know. But as I said earlier, you know, my cousins and my brothers, they just had um, a lot of self-development books. And I was kind of off... Because I've actually backtracked a little bit of this and I'm more willing to read um, fictional literature more because mm -hmm. I think you can learn a lot from them. But my whole thing was if I'm going to read something, it's going to help me become a better person, help me um, in some shape or form with some sort of valid information kind of thing. You know, I had... I mean, who hasn't grown up reading a couple of Harry Potter books, you know, or even if you were British born, you might be familiar with the Alex Ryder books, you know. I'd read a few of the Alex Ryder books, the Horrid Henrys, you know, the, like, you know, a, a lot of like that kind of thing. But as I got older, I was like, I don't really care for fiction that much. Mm. And uh, because in, in, in English literature, you do read a lot of fiction anyways, it was kind of like, you know, that's my bread and butter, that's work so to speak that's what yeah. i actually have to study you know academically so you know the personal development stuff was you know for own interest for out of curiosity amazing that's really cool like i i think i can completely relate to reading personal development books to get an end result that's practical that i can work myself towards or even just gaining the information of that you know um and i guess like even to this day i i really 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 hesitate to start reading a fiction book you know uh, um yeah. and it's it's really interesting you say that because don't get me wrong like two weeks ago i read an amazing book uh called how to get out the maze or something like that um by by this guy i forgot his name was but it's like i genuinely want when i'm reading i want something to enrich me and benefit my life and as you're saying similarly when you do read a non uh, a fiction book you still receive so many lessons through the characters that are there mm. yeah mm -hmm. i'm just not i'm not particularly interested in that you know i've read the alchemist which yeah. is probably my favorite book of all time ironically it's a fiction book mm. but at the same time i'm still chasing information knowledge to either help me learn about the world in a greater sphere or even uh, help me improve myself as well so that's really that's really that's really important that you that's really cool that you pointed that out because um I actually hated reading until probably until like three or four years ago, you know. Uh, so yeah. to hear that you you've always been a natural reader, a natural it had a natural pro proclivity to information, um, seems mm. let's say very in brand, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I, I mean I, I mean I do give a lot of credit to um reading, but I also pay homage to podcasts because you know, we're living in the age where now podcasts are a really, really big thing. And um podcasts 
at the moment, I'm probably utilizing more and I'm listening to podcasts a lot more than I'm reading books. And it's more to do with the fact that, you know, podcasts are very convenient. You know, you can be multitasking, you know, you can be, you know, working, you can be studying, you can be going to the gym or at the gym, you know, doing so many things and, you know, you're engaged. Whereas with um, reading, it's a really classic pastime where you have to be, you have to have the luxury of time. Mm. You know, uh, all distractions have to be uh, negated and stuff. And the thing is, what I noticed with with podcasts um, is that even if you're half-heartedly listening and you're not fully engaged, later on you remember something or you say something that was in the podcast and you're like, how do, how do I even pick that up? Kind of, it's, it's really fascinating. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, podcasts for me, if I'm not listening to music, it's 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 it's, it's a podcast. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So, um, yeah, 100%. I completely agree with that. So, basically, so you you're, you grew up in a, with a proclivity for information, for bettering mm. yourself. Uh, I, I want to touch on the pop culture, being influenced by pop culture, GQ magazine, um, uh, and, yeah. and getting into fashion and all of that. Um, like what, uh, when I say get into fashion, I mean getting into your dress sense and like dressing well. Mm. What mm. about that was so important to you? What about that do you think nourished you? Well, growing up, I always, when I got more serious academically and I wanted to and go into uni, One of my first ambitions or career paths I really considered was being uh, an editor at GQ. Um, and the other thing that I realised whilst I was reading a lot of GQ was, I think all it's fair to say that all journalists, and if you are in the realm of journalism, you have to be very eloquent, you have to have a good command of the English language. But I really noticed that from reading magazines and um, everything in between, you know, the use of language that these journalists were using was was really fascinating. I was like, you know, what? I could I could learn a thing or two from this. Mm-hmm. So it just kept on steering me more towards that side. And to go back to the thing that you touched on, pop culture, um, at the time I didn't realize, but now I realize it more that pop culture has such a big impact on the culture as a whole. Um, you even see this in politics, you know, you, you see this in, in, in political campaigns, you know, um, people running for office, in, especially in America, you know, they'll try and show that they are in tune with the people and the culture, in, mm. in tune with what people really value and um, really take personally and, and hold really close to their hearts. So, yeah, it, it, it kind of became a thing, and especially with the prevalent dominance of social media, you know, you have to be aware of pop culture. You are, just because of the use, you are in the realms of pop culture and the culture. Yeah, 100%. But don't you think that, so for me, I feel as if I needed pop culture to brand me in some way, shape, or form. I needed, I want, I, not I needed, I wanted that stamp. I wanted that stamp of approval from, um, my associates, my friends, the world, and then also myself, right? I wanted to feel like I was the man. And the easiest way for me to discover that I was a man was to blend into pop culture. And like what that led me into was like 
dressing dressing reasonably okay, you know, as you do when you're like in your teenager. Yeah, I, I think you did a good job when, when I sang around with you. I think you did, I think you've done a good you, you Yeah, well. I, I was trying, man. I was trying, you know. <laughs> uh, and and, and uh, what I didn't realize is that pop culture was like leading me down this rabbit hole of hating the establishment it was leading me down a rabbit hole of maximizing fun maximizing enjoyment maximizing um everything apart from all the values that i'd been brought up in um to to essentially make me assimilate into the culture make me as if that culture is all i am make me as if that when in rome you are roman and that is it forever you can never yeah, you can never choose yeah, yeah, yeah. To, you can never choose to defect you know um so like talk to me about your journey of getting into uh, getting into the world of pop culture let's call it it's an easy word to use yeah. and, and then defecting into having a, a, a contrarian view a more contrarian viewpoint because i know you've actually always had a contrarian viewpoint you've always thought differently about things uh but like as 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 i've gotten older i've noticed myself get a little more conservative and when i say a little more conservative i mean socially i am the most liberal person in the whole entire world I don't care what you do. You live your life and how you live your life. And I'll be there to support you and enjoy it with you. Don't get, I'm, yeah, I'm not missing, yeah. I'm not missing out on the fun, you know, but when it, when I, but in culturally at home, or should I say in my private life, it's more that I have more structure. I have rules. I have ways of doing things that wouldn't be, would, would, wouldn't be considered uh, free. Uh, but to me, it gives me that freedom, you know? Um, so I, I'd like, I'd like, love to hear your journey in, in that and navigating through that. And, and then, right. and then we can talk about the greater impact it's having on people who are less, yeah. um, less, uh, understanding of themselves and what they want from life and how they're being guided into well, culture. I'm I'm really glad you brought that up because the one thing that I always say is that I'm not that political in the sense that, okay, I read a little bit and I try my best to keep up with the news and, you know, current affairs a little bit more than the average person. But with that being said, I wouldn't be the person you would go to to be like, Chuck, what party should I vote for? Um, or can you give an insightful explanation to said mandate or referendum, et cetera, et cetera. I am not your go-to person. It just so happens that the culture is now heavily infiltrated by politics. And I think that's actually an okay thing because I think the personal becomes the political and the political can become personal. So I, 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 it, it's fine. But touching on what you also said about yourself is that the one thing that I realized and that I recently learned is that there are things such as having a conservative temperament and brain and a liberal um, brain and temperament. What do you mean by that? And so basically... Um, you can be conservative in just how you function and how you um, address things and process them. Um, the way that you can, just how orderly you are. So there was there was a study shown, and I'll just roughly touch on some of the examples very quickly. Uh, I think it was 
it was Harvard. I think it was Harvard University with 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 undergrads, and basically it points out that the way that undergrads who are conservative um, keep their room is a lot more presentable and smarter, and then liberals are a little bit more messier. And then they went on deeper to explain that you know it's because liberals are high in open creativity; they're a lot more creative, and then conservative minds and brains are a lot more industrious and they're very much more orderly they like a structure they like a system and i was thinking about and one really interesting point is even the way that um a conservative brain and a liberal brain processes trauma is significantly different Mm. and i just found that really really fascinating because again like you i think i am very liberal and, you know, I, I think I'm a very um, other um, identity markers for a conservative mind or a liberal mind. And me speaking on the liberal mind is that um, you are a lot more agreeable. You are like, yeah. And so basically with the trauma thing, it's basically like you would react more with emotion and then um, a conservative brain would, 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 I, I can't articulate it that well because it's not, again, it's not something that I'm well versed on. Well, you're not an expert, like, just just say how you, how it is, you know, like, yeah, and it's, 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 it's really fascinating because I, I, yeah, like, I, I am, I can see myself very liberal in, in, in in a lot of ways, you know, the, the way I process things is very liberal, but then I like, the idea of having, you know, structure. I like the idea of having order, um, you know, and it's why most people who are liberal are in the arts, you know, because they're very creative, you know, they, 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 they can navigate through the realms of music, um, the literal arts and so on much, much better. And then, you know, you get the CEOs of businesses and so on who are a lot more conservative in temperament, um, because they know how to run and order things, and mm. it's 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 quite interesting. I, I love that. I, I'm really good, really happy you made that distinction right there. Uh, not conservative in political views, but conservative in temperament, in terms mm. of mm. Uh, being more structured, being more orderly, being more one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Whereas a creative person is probably like I don't know the Fibonacci sequence, which is a number that it's like all the prime numbers or something like that, you know? Um, so it's like a liberal person is more open to dance and the chaos where an, uh, a more conservative quote unquote person is more open to it not is less open to dance in the chaos and try to organize that chaos. And um, yeah. So like, as, since we're here, uh, let's, let's, let's move, let's move into, you've got some really, really, important topics that you'd like to sh- uh, speak on today uh and oh, I'd, yeah. I'd love to give you the floor for you to introduce them and for us to just have to dive deep into them uh because i think our conversation has been really it's it's i think it's like been a proving point um uh, has been an analogy of like the evolution of how we see the world and and where you've come from uh, and also where you are now and we'll touch on where you're going later so well well you know when when we're planning this there was like a a lot of things that we we wanted to to talk on and as i was saying to you last night you know it's it's it couldn't have been a more convenient time for us to do this podcast now because 
so much has happened just in the last month alone. Yeah. And even in the last week, there's been so much that's going on. So this podcast and what I want to talk to you about was like, you know, mostly um, identity politics, um, council culture, um, activism and social justice warriors, and so on and so on, and just naturally just take its course. And, um, you know, the culture is heavily, heavily dominated by what's going on in, in politics. And that, to a certain degree, might mean that you have to pick a side. And I'm starting to realise that the world isn't necessarily as black and white as we would like mm. would like it to be. There's actually a lot more grey area than there is black and white. And I think you can make a good case for that. And what I mean by that is sometimes it's not always blatantly obvious and clear that you know this opposition or this side is right and then the opposing side is wrong Mm. you know i think there needs to be more of a middle ground and there usually is a lot of middle ground and i think i don't like the idea of how you have to pick a side yeah i think it's really unfair and um it's it's becoming very divisive and especially in 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 the unfortunate prime of identity politics i don't think it's 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 healthy yeah no it's not healthy and i don't think it's, i don't think it's the way forward either no it's not um like what i see what you're touching on the most beautiful thing in the whole entire world is that that we're, we're living in a world of, um, in psychology, they call it a dra- drama triangle, right? So there's always a victim and there's always a rescuer uh, and there's always an, uh, an oppressor, essentially, right? Yeah. Uh, I, and it's, it's all, and when you're in a drama triangle, right, what happens is the game of the drama triangle is everyone's trying to claim the victim, uh, the victim, the victim, yeah, everyone's trying to claim the victim position. Uh, and everyone's tr- everyone is literally just horizontally moving like this victim 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 oppressor victim um i thought the other one uh helper and so on and so forth and i think that there needs to be a message for reasonability you know there needs to be a message of that well do you know what um got, trump had let's say 20 good policies and with these 22 uh, 20 good policies i hated three of them I hate three. I don't like three of these policies Um, rather than to attack the individual. And it seems as if the whole entire, everything's personal right now, you know, and that person, that, that personalization of everything is devoiding what you're saying that the politics is the person and the person becomes the politics. And it's like, well, yes, they are inseparable. And yes, that you're not going to agree with everything anyone says anyway you know and it seems like this divide allows separation okay. to happen allows go on. right let, let, right so I'll, I'll i'll try and and explain this to the best of my knowledge on um the issues that i have with uh identity politics mm. and um so how can i put this Okay, so given that there are 
an infinite number of ways of interpreting the world, you could make a case that there has to be an infinite number of dimensions along which people may vary. Mm. Now, what I mean by that is there are many, many, and most definitely an indefinite number of ways to categorize and perceive the world. <laughs> so that's a big statement. A couple of examples. <laughs> a couple of examples can be. Um, you could categorize the world and people by their age, mm. historical time. Mm. You live now, or you live in the past, or you live in the future. Mm -hmm. Your sex and your gender. Race, religion, geographical location. Mm -hmm. There are so many. Your eye color, your cognitive capabilities. So your IQ, mm. how smart you are intellectually. There's so there are so many ways, and it can be even be random things. Your height, your waist. It it's it's infinite. It's infinite. So. If you are a smart person, you might use some of those identity markers and ways of interpreting the world and put people into groups. Now, the one thing that I can't quite fathom is why and how the identity politics players have made the canonical decision to put certain identity markers and certain groups and forms of identification above others. Mm. So you get your most popular ones, race and ethnicity, mm -hmm. sex and gender, mm -hmm. religion, and so on. Mm. But like I said, that's a very good way of looking at the world. Yeah, it's a very good way to navigate to navigate through it. 100%. But then there's this thing called inter there's this thing called intersectionality, mm -hmm. and intersectionality is where two different realms or ways of differentiating the world intersect or identity markers. Mm -hmm. So for me, I am. Black male. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were gonna start yeah, there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, well, you've completely gone straight to my point. <laughs> how I perceive myself can be completely different to how you perceive me. Yeah. You see. Mm. So, again, I am a black male. I'm 26 years old. Part of the six foot club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> six foot club. I have brown eyes. So what then happens is you start to realize that there are, because there are so many ways of interpreting the world and categorizing people, mm -hmm. how can you then choose and decide which identity markers are paramount? Mm. Because... For me, this is very subjective, but you could make a case that one of the most important identity markers 
and I think should be the most important is cognitive capability and IQ. Mm. Especially if you are trying to navigate the world from, you know, not only an intellectual standpoint, but from a standpoint of someone who's trying to navigate the world in, 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 in business, trying to recruit someone, trying to employ someone. Yeah. That might be the most important. So with all these identity markers, and as you start to realize that intersectionality is more and more common, the logical conclusion to intersectionality is individuality. Mm. You can't just box people into certain groups. You can't just put them in because the individual is the ultimate minority. Wow. Whoa. 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 The individual is the most... Is Because oh, no matter how much you stretch that up, you, as you, you quickly realize that this person has so many identity markers mm -hmm. and with that being established, there is no ways that he can belong to just one group or two groups or three groups. Mm -hmm. Well, you saying that I like this, that's, that's where I'm like, I'm in a hundred percent agreement with you yet that without those markers being included, right. That then creates um, a level of chaos that w we have never had to experience because usually we grew up in small communities, small groups where you'd be nurtured in your group of 50 to 100 um, villagers or uh, 50 to 100 community members, uh, dwelling members, right? Yeah, whereas we live in such big communities now that those intersectionalities, not intersectionality, sorry, those markers are necessary. Yet yeah, I think. The judgment is where I get pissed off. Don't get me wrong. The, the whole entire world gets pissed off because who are you to judge the next person over? Who are you to place these markers? And having said that, I know that I am prejudiced towards someone trying to rob my house. I know that... Well, before you even get into yeah. that, the other thing that you touched on is that we now have this landscaping warfare of multiple groups with different identity markers fighting in this battle, which I call the Oppression Olympics. And there's a point that's being made that people are oppressed and my group is oppressed. Mm. And it's true. There are people that are oppressed and there are people who are suffering. Mm. It's, 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 it's very, very true. But to a certain degree, you can't take it personally. And I know that sounds very controversial, mm. but I think it's characteristic of life. Yeah. There are certain things that you can't control. And obviously there are things that you can control. Mm. And... You can't just put the world into groups. And as I quite rightly stated, there's an infinite number of ways of interpreting the world. Therefore, there has to be an infinite number of dimensions along which people will vary. You can't categorize the world into these groups and then assume that you're in a group that inoculates you from playing the oppressor 
from being the oppressed and not the oppressor. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Because one one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that, and I have this conversation quite a lot with people, is that <laughs> did you know if you earn an annual income of thirty four thousand dollars or more, you're in the top one percent that's ever lived <laughs> that's... in the history of the entire world. <laughs> no way. The entire world. The, enti- the, the entire... In history oh. of the entire world, not just the entire world. The... You're in the 1%. That's crazy. You know, I, I always, I always think about it, but I always think about it differently. I always think about the amount of suffering that has happened throughout the, 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 the 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 recorded history of mankind the amount of wars mm. the amount of pillaging the amount of destruction chaos the amount of ego from one tribe to another then to one country to another then to one continent to another and, and to where we are now in possibly the easiest time to live of all time apart from certain rural areas and even for them the, but but that, but that's 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 the other thing. That's the other thing, though. And you know, again, the literature and the statistics are there. If you lived in the West before eighteen ninety five, you lived on less than a dollar a day. These are Western countries, which in theory are meant to be the most progressive, the ones with the most technological advancements, the most stable. Mm. A dollar a day before 1895 so what more the less economically developed countries nothing nothing and 181895 wasn't that long ago no, it's it's literally 1890 that's two people ago bro 1895 that's maybe even three people ago that's how that's how i count long distances now i count hundreds of years in people that's one person that's two person that's three person and i that gives me such a healthy perspective to see that hold on, things are happening really quickly and I don't really have it so bad. I, I, wanna, I wanted to touch something that I watched um, this guy called Akash Singer, who's a, who's a comedian on Flagrant 2 with um, Andrew yeah, Schultz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said something so, so powerful to me, being um, an immigrant, having parents come from Zimbabwe to here and to have to restart life. And he was saying that, listen, like, bro, like, You'd have no idea the struggle and the pain your parents went through, right, to to even leave their own home country, to come to a new world uh, searching for better opportunity. Now, how, how hard it possibly was to make that money, how hard it was to say bye to your family, how hard it was to enter a new country and possibly live in um, um, I know when we moved in and I was thinking about this, we moved into a one bedroom apartment. I'm not sure if my moms are going to be okay with me saying this, but we moved into a one bedroom apartment. I'm sorry, mom. Uh, we moved into a one bedroom apartment uh, and there was four of us. There was my mom, my dad, my older brother and my younger brother. And I swear, let's bro. I completely forgot this even happened. I, uh, well, that's, well, that's the thing you pointed out. People don't realize how lucky we have it now. And the thing is, it's not that to say that things are perfect. We're not living in a utopia. In no, a utopia, definitely not. You know, but but great strides have been made, and you know, I think 
as you, you know, have being someone who is from Zimbabwe and, you know, a third world country, I have seen what real oppression looks mm. like, um, what real suffering looks like. You know, everyone is, if you have a very basic understanding of history, like, I think Robert Mugabe is probably one of the most iconic and infamous dictators to ever lead a country. And, well, you probably know it just as well as I do, you know, during the elections, you know, he'd go to rural areas and have police officers and the army go to people's homes, bang on their doors, drag them to the polls, mm -hmm. beat them, and go and tell them to vote for said party and said political leader in the elections, not just once, but a many times. times. And, and what's really, really worrying is that political tactic is still very much striving yeah. in this current day and mm -hmm. age. So when people from the West say they're oppressed and it's like, you have no idea how good yeah, you have it. hundred percent. You have no idea how good you have there, it. There isn't that perspective, bro. There isn't that acknowledgement. And what I'd also like to say is that, well, each person's situation is different. D different? Yeah. <laughs> each person's situation is different. And it's like, what do you think people in England, possibly people in the States, are completely missing in 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 their lives? And um like I also would like to acknowledge that like the type of trauma that African Americans are going through are is slightly different to the trauma and the things that have gone through in, in the UK. But what do you think those people are missing? What do you think is or what do you think the things are? Um because I like Conversation. Mm, mm. Conversation. Conversation. That's in in the most concise fashion to answer that it, it's conversation there's there's a lack of conversation in the age of cancel culture and self-censorship it, it's hard to have those conversations freedom of speech is really under attack and it, it's it's very worrying and the one thing that i realized when i feel like people don't quite understand what freedom of speech is mm -hmm. Because the way the people who perceive the people who are in favour of freedom of speech, mm -hmm. they think, oh, you, you're just using freedom of speech as an excuse to spouse hate, yes. hate speech. Yes. I, uh, and with that, I think that there's a lot of very, very sensitive people, extremely sensitive people. As as we keep on coming across, it's like, it's, it's, it's quite... Um, for me, it's quite frustrating because when you call a spade a spade, I'm not trying to be uh, offensive. I'm just trying to base the facts as best as I possibly can with the amount of knowledge I, I have at this present moment mm. in time. And that doesn't mean I'm not willing to change. It means that I am of, of this worldview until someone else provides me with better information. Well, well, I'm, 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 I'm really glad you pointed that out because, you know, I think freedom of speech shows the quality of being curious mm. and to me when you stop being curious you stop learning and wanting to grow that's that's how i see it because i think freedom of speech helps us to think and 
the one thing that I've realized is that thinking is an external process, not an internal process. That's why when we're in schools, we're taught to say it out loud, put it in your own words. When we have homework and assignments, you get discredited or marked down, you know, when you don't put things into your own words. And, you know, again, writing it down, that's an external process. Mm. I think people are of the assumption that you just digest things, you absorb things, and then it's there cemented in your psyche system. Yeah. In your psyche. Literally. Correct. Because look, we're having a conversation right now and some of these topics for the first time. And we are going to formulate some ideas very awkwardly and incorrectly. But the more we have these conversations, the more we can better articulate our words in a cohesive manner mm. that's hopefully very eloquent and very conveying that the other person can 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 understand. Mm. And then the other point that I have to put out there is that without freedom of speech, you wouldn't be able to have a conversation about anything because the common rebuttal is that, you know, it's offensive. But if we're being adults and being rational, you can't have a serious conversation about anything with anyone without being offensive, especially if that conversation or that topic matter is important. Mm. You Okay, so, so the rule is you can't offend anyone. I'm having a conversation with you right yeah. now. That's one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. What if it's a conversation with three people? Oh, okay. I might be able to manage that. Mm. 10 people? It's hard. Okay, okay. A hundred people? A thousand people? You're going to have a conversation about race, religion, politics, exercise, obesity, gender, sex and gender without offending. So and you think you're going to have that conversation without offending someone? Mm. Mm. It's, 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 it's really, really hard. It's really, really hard. And then people are promoting, you know, tougher laws on hate speech. Mm. I'm not okay with that. I don't think it's a good idea because the one thing that I learned about hate speech is, and again, this is not me being naive. You know, hate speech exists. I think if you've had a serious, contentious conversation with anyone and it's gotten heated, you've probably uttered some hate speech <laughs> in the moment and they've probably they probably said something. Oh, bad, mate, I thought know? you were going to go down People the opposite route of being a young black man living in up north in the hills, mate. <laughs> People say... People say reprehensible things, outrageous things, disgusting things, quasi-criminal things all the time. Mm. And again, I'm not naive. I think for every action, there should be a reaction. And I'm definitely not naive and immature enough to believe that if you do something, you shouldn't have the just penalties and consequences of said actions. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that I've learned is that for a, for something to be considered a hate speech, it's how the victim registers it. Mm. So, for an example, 
I could, or just a hate crime, not just hate speech, I could hit my mom. God forbid. <laughs> I'm glad you said it. Yeah, I could hit my mom. And, um, you know, my mom might put that down as, you know, domestic abuse. She could put that down as racial abuse, you know, because she is a black woman. She could put that as a misogynistic attack. Mm you know and that's when the waters can get very muddied very 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 quickly mm. because who gets to define hate who gets to regulate it what i consider offensive and what you consider offensive mm. might be on two com bipolar ends of the spectrum mm. the antithesis of each mm. other you know what i'm what i'm what's really hitting is that like to put it simply, is to not take things personally, right? It is to take things as they are, and of course, if something offends you, be vocal about it. You're definitely not saying to people, "Don't be, don't be, stay quiet when something offends you or something bad happens to you." Um, I think what you're promoting is have a voice and be, be reasonable, be conscientious of, well, is this the true intent? And I think what I find to be um, very difficult about I that, mean, in all, in, in all, in all fairness, yeah. though, it's hard. I think it's I think, so I think hard. It, it's, it's, it's extremely hard. It's, 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 ex, it's extremely hard because again, like I said, I'm not naive to invalidate the reality of hate speech and hate crimes. They exist. They happen all the time. Mm. But, it's 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 very difficult because okay going back to to the topic of you know having conversation and freedom of speech that we started the best way to put it is i believe freedom of speech is so important because conversation and negotiation beats war you know, one of the one of the when I when I started law school, right? Um, they 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 gave me a book, um, and the book was all about negotiation. Uh, and my lecturer actually said to me, "Listen, like obviously you're buying this book because it's going to help you in your, your mediation part of your law degree, this that the other, but it's not." It, this is a lifelong skill. Like, and he made it so apparent. Like I couldn't care less if you use this for your law degree, just understand by reading this book, you have skills and tools to be able to navigate your way through life. And that's, you, you've really touched on it. Like there is no, there, there is no negotiate. No one's willing to negotiate. You know, it's either my way or the highway. It's either I'm right. You're wrong. I'm big. You're small. I, I, like Matilda, right? There's no room for negotiation. And, and I guess like, that negotiation, I want to, I want to, I want to know what negotiation is for you. Is it, is it speaking to come to solutions? Is it, or is it speaking to coming to understanding? Is it, what is negotiation to you? Um, and what, how does, it's, how does, how do we practically apply that? Or what are your ideas of practically applying it's, that? It's, it's the form, it's the former and mm. the latter. Because with, freedom of speech you are then able to 
okay, there's this one thing that I was I, I was always uh, one thing that my brother always used to say to me growing up. He always used to say, a smart person isn't afraid to ask a stupid mm. question. And it's okay to admit that you don't know, and it's even more admirable to admit that you're willing to ask to show that you are in a position to learn. And one personal example of this, and it heavily applies to what's been going on in the past two years. And even prior to that, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of, some of them really good close friends of mine on race. And I've had to explain to them why they can't use the N-word. I've had to take on that mantle and have that, don't get me wrong, because I know it is. And with other topics, it's very exhausting, especially when you have to repeat and repeat and reiterate the same points in a very cohesive, factual manner. I've had to have conversations with my friends explain to them why they can't use the N-word, some of my experiences, and so on and so on. And in the process, they've said some very naive, sometimes not even well thought through points. Completely stupid. I'm going to say it, mate. Just stupid points. But, my friends yeah, are saying but, it too. But, 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 I, but you have to give people, you know, a certain amount of leverage. Mm. You have to be lenient. Mm. And you have to understand, you know, it. well, you have to assume that it's coming from a place of goodwill. But to cut a long story short, if I didn't have those conversations with those people, those conversations that are, you know, heavily mandated on the basis of freedom of speech and allowing them to say exactly what they want to say as poorly and as misinformed as they are, they wouldn't be able to learn, they wouldn't be able to understand, they wouldn't be able to grow. Yes. And what's really fascinating is some of those people that I've had those conversations with are now allies and have really understood racism. And, you know, they are in the vanguard of anti-racism and Black Lives Matter, if not the vanguard itself. You know, all because, you know, I was willing to engage in the dialogue because, look, the last thing is, if you don't engage in these conversations or you completely denounce them and shut them out, all it's going to prove is that you're not willing to help me become a better person. Mm -hmm. And my opinion on you and not helping me just stays the same. And I'm going to have the exact same ideas and ideologies mm -hmm that I had and they're not going to change. You know, uh, a counter to that would be that it's not your responsibility to educate other people. And like, I think that, and my personal counter to that is that, well, the change you want to see in the world really does start with this person who's just asked you this rather naive question or this person who's completely confused and lost. And like, I think with that openness to conversation really, really, really allows the world to move into a direction of genuine non-judgment, not um, 
trademark or uh, virtue signaling non-judgment. It really needs to mm. uh, a, 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 a forwarding conversation of the human be of human beings, not the human race, human beings, and it brings us closer. Yet, what without the way these conversations are happening and the way we're being instigated as individuals through social media, through politics, through uh, even through own personal life experiences, right? I'm not even trying to negate those experiences. Um, what then happens is we there is a, there's a hardened shell. There's this hardened there's this hardness, and then what then what's now cultivating with that hardness is that there's let's call it white fragility. There's white guilt that's happening in the world. People feeling guilty, and of course I know many many genuine people that call a spade a spade and whatever whatever excuse me don't get me wrong but without that openness from one party the other party it's like how do i explain it it's like when someone you really care about has has you've done something really bad to someone you care about right and you just try your very best to make sure that that person's okay and then the other person that is receiving that care or is receiving that try hard starts to get annoyed at the tryhard and it's like and it's like with that <laughs> but yes my, my the one thing that i, I will say and it's it's it, it's my biggest issue with cancel culture yeah. is that <sighs> the authoritarians and the gatekeepers to who gets cancelled and who doesn't People want to act like as if they've always had this vast amount of knowledge and insight into important topics and they haven't had to unlearn and learn new things about them, that they were almost born with it. And I think it's 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 very stupid and it's it's not thought through because Everyone makes mistakes because we're human beings and human beings aren't perfect. We're not mm. gods. And we are likely to make more mistakes than, than yeah. good. And it's it's it, I just find it a bit fascinating that we're willing to, to dig up, you know, the archives of Washington Ali's tweets from 2000. Hey, bro, you actually 12. don't want to do that. I actually went for a delete spree. Oh my goodness, they were terrible. Mate. I was chatting so much donut stuff. Um, and and to that point, bro, like, well, 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 well <laughs> but but the scary thing about cancel culture is that there's a lot of people that we we um, revere and hold in high regard mm. and put them on pedestals and sometimes even idolize them and then some tweets or some evidence to some again not not to say that it's fine reprehensible behavior um reprehensible tweets and acts of the past surface and the mob is scary and they just get crucified and lambasted yeah. and lose a lot of credibility mm. It's scary because the one thing that I always look at it like it's these are people who the majority have held in really high regard and revere. Mm. What more if that was me? Mm. You know, 
I'm just a, a regular person, a normal person. You know, these some of these people who are getting cancelled have, you know, done some really remarkable things for the greater good, not just for themselves, but for mankind. Mm. And it's 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 a bit odd. And the one thing that's actually quite funny is the mob seems like a bit of a myth it, it, it it's it's like bigfoot <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> until you experience until you experience yeah. it because one example we can use is 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 is, is, is whoopi goldberg mm. with with what she said on on jews you know she's very pro cancel culture and people losing their jobs and their livelihood she's currently suspended for the comments that she made and inevitably it was a dragon that was going to eat its own tail because once upon a time not that long ago you were in the mob and you're probably the one person leading the mob and now you said some things and now the mob has turned on you and they're banging at your door yeah it's crazy how how it's... quickly the the mob like how um how one slight moment of your brain being turned off turns into your entire life you're you're condemned for life you know and i i i've while she's been speaking a thought that's been popping up in my head is that the, the way that information travels is so fast it doesn't give a moment's notice for thought it gives a moment's notice. It's like the way, when I receive a Kanye post, right? It goes ping. And I'm like, I'm either really happy to see that, um, to see that is released on the two, which hopefully he does, which he probably is not. Or I'm really upset to, to see every single, single person saying, oh, him and this and that are happening. And you're just like, oh, I so feel for my bro, you know? And it's like these, everything that happens is instant emotion. And then I'm happy that I have the ability to, still experience the motion right i don't i'm not gonna not feel what i feel but i'm gonna think it, yeah you know what <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> i love that i know what kind of speed and i'm gonna feel what i'm feel but i'm gonna i'm gonna respond to this and do i think responding like this is genuinely appropriate not through not just because of my own personal life experience but to the scale in this in, in to the scale in which this thing has occurred you know and and it, what's so crazy is that I, th I personally deem like I've got two theories like that either all of this cancel culture is cancel culture is eventually going to uh, stabilize itself. It's eventually going to everyone's going to realize that hey, actually, you know, the, the, these a hundred million people on Twitter are, are 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 not the same amount of the seven six uh, six million six billion nine hundred million other people in the real world because my bro when i speak to uh, my friends like you when i speak to other people around the world that their their worldview is very 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 balanced you know so but do you know what the thing is i actually i'm going to disagree with you i don't think cancel culture is going to die down anytime soon because you touched on it earlier it's it's a quick route to moral virtue. It's 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 a very easy way to show that you're on the mm. side of good. Someone says something understandably and in a lot of cases outrightly wrong, rude, racist, transphobic, and so on. It's easy for you to 
point your finger at them and be like, you are disgusting. That is absolutely appalling. You should lose your job. You should lose your livelihood. You should pay a fine, possibly jail mm. time and so on. It's, 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 it's very easy. But the way I see it is that, as I just said, it's a quick route to moral virtue, but more importantly, it's, it doesn't require a lot of effort. And that's the problem. Because I, I want to bounce back on that. I want to bounce back on that really quickly. That... It seems like a lot of effort not, uh, to to speak on something that you potentially feel offended about or something that triggers some form of emotional response. Like, I'm only saying that because that's the type of response that it could get, you know, saying that statement. So I just want you to mm. talk back to that, uh, 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 to talk back to that response. Well, well, the reason why I said um, th that's my problem with, 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 with activism and social justice warriors because they are the main people pushing the vanguard or not being the vanguard itself of mm. cancel culture. And I keep reiterating this time and time again. It's not that to say that there aren't reprehensible things being said and being acted out in the world. There is a plethora of things. But it doesn't require a lot of work in the sense that it's very easy to look at the world and to point a finger and critique everything that's wrong with it. Um, I've forgotten which philosopher said it, but he said it's easier to judge the world, it's easier to judge than it is to think. And I think that's remarkably true. I, I really do think it really, it really is because... It's Carl Young, that, by the way. I just googled it. It doesn't require. It doesn't require. No, the reason why I said it doesn't require a lot of work is because, well, anyone can just, you know, point the finger at someone and say, you know, that's disgusting. That's terrible. You're a bad person. Blah 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 blah. Anyone can, you know, jump outside. No, let me, you can cut that out. <laughs> Anyone, I think that the the problem with... Well, I've with, got a good, with, I've got with, a good example with, for you, bro. Cancel. It's easier to watch your favourite commentator talk about a certain topic that you love or are very interested in and take on their per, per point of view. Uh, 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 it's easier to do that than to do the research yourself. And it's also easier to watch a two-second clip, a one-minute clip of someone doing something stupid to make that decision and 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 that's what it, that's what, what how i'm hearing what you're saying like you don't have to think about anything like you've seen a one minute clip your one minute clip lets you know he's being very angry he's being very rude so that means he's an angry rude white male <laughs> you know or he's being very yeah, angry yeah, or he's being yeah. very angry he he's been he, he's talking to someone he's tall and he's black Oh, he's talking to someone very aggressively you know like and, and then we end up placing these value layers of value and things that we have no context to, we have no understanding to. And of course, like as humans, we have to take in information as quickly as possible and make snap judgments. Yet why then does your judgment have to be held as if it's a fact? Why does your judgment have to be held as if it's the only thing that's possible in your infinity number of possible ways to view a scenario? Well, 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 going back to my initial point, like it's, it's, the the problem with 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 cancel culture is that it's it's a quick route to moral virtue 
in the sense that it doesn't require a lot of work and it's actually very very hard to get yourself together and you have to do that in ways that you can't trumpet you know i'm going to use a a, a very pop culture reference there's this song by the all american rejects called dirty little secrets and they had a music video and just to basically give you an idea of what the music video is about it was a wide number a large number of people um cut scenes one second cut scenes and they have all their literal dirty secrets on a sign a board and their faces blurred out and it's really you know em embarrassing awkward things that are just odd like you know i pee in the bathroom sink uh i i steal i i steal from my dad's wallet you know all those kinds of things and Th that's a lot of the things that are wrong with us are they're second rate and embarrassing you know in some in some degrees you know there are some people who are psychologically troubled and need real help but for the average person it's just very low resolution things that unfortunately take a lot of time and you have to do it in private. It's things like your proclivity to procrastinate, um, your trouble to engage in a healthy relationship with your mom or dad, or your girlfriend or your boyfriend. It's it's things that you know don't happen overnight. Mm. That's the issue. Mm. But you know, you have a sign or a tweet, or you're outing someone for being racist transphobic homophobic everything in between and so on then you get all the acclaim and validation in a matter of seconds and you can talk about it you can show the world which is why i always say it's it's it's, it's not thought through because you can easily go in <laughs> down the street and have a sign saying i'm against world poverty end hunger it's like yeah who the hell isn't though like any any, any rational person who's level-headed is not going to be against child poverty and would want wars and here's the one thing that i always say to people it's like look even if you're a tyrant you are going to want people to live in the best conditions possible so that you can exploit and take advantage of the skills and talents that they have. Yeah. You know, that's that's why you get paid a wage and a salary. It's like, Washi, that law degree you have, that skill and that talent you have, I can benefit yeah. from that. I can pay you from that. Mm. You know, you don't you don't see like, I don't know, <laughs> you know the Simpsons where they're up in in the castle with like all the Democrats, the American the Texan guy with the yeah. and, like there's Dracula and there's like lightning going down. They're not saying, oh, we need more poverty and world hunger and the thing. It's like, no, no. And some of these oppressive white males that are at the top of the male patriarchy, I don't think they care about what race religion gender you are as long as you have the talent and they can exploit they're going to take an interest yeah, in what 
because talent's hard to come. Talent's it's hard, hard to come by. Like talent's really, really hard to genuine talent, genuine intellect. It's it's yeah, rare. Literally. So yeah, it's 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 easy to 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 point at the world and say this is wrong. This is you're a bad person. You've done A, B, and C, and D. It's 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 incredibly easy. But what's even harder is to get yourself in order. Mm. It's it's really really hard because it's 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 the same. I'm going to use this um, analogy because I'm somewhat in the fitness world. Um, you know, it's like when people start going on a diet and wanting to better themselves. You know, they they go for the diet coke instead of the normal coke. And it's it's your brain playing a one up on you because you know it's it, it doesn't require that much work as actually putting in the work of changing your diet, changing your lifestyle. Mm. It's 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 just a brain pulling a quick mm. one on you. It's 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 um so yeah, which is why I always say like the the solution to the problem of humanity lies with the integrity of the individual. If you rather focused on yourself and bettered yourself and focused on all those little flaws you have, your proclivity to procrastinate and everything in between, not only do you make your life better, but you make the lives of everyone around you imminently better. Wow. Yeah, I can agree with Instantaneously. And, but we live in, we live in the world of, of social media in in the age where social media is prevalent if you are not talking about it if you're not tweeting about it if you're not posting about it on your story you're a really bad guy you don't Mm -hmm. care why do you not care and then that's the other issue i have is we have to share the pain and suffering of everyone else which i think is incredibly unhealthy Mm -hmm. It's it's incredibly unhealthy and it's it's not good to be living in constant fear and trouble. Because the thing is, again, it's not to say that there isn't anything wrong in the world and that it's a perfect utopia. I'm not saying that at all. But I wrote a piece in my notes and I put it on my Instagram story and then my highlight. And I got quite a response, mostly positive. And I was basically touching on the fact that you can't take on the plight and know the plight of every single person in the world because there is so much going on. I mean, right now, you know, the war in Yemen is still going on. There's still slaves in Libya. Why? The situation in Haiti. And these are things that I've just cited off the top of my head. There's probably many more. An actual disaster has probably happened that I don't know about, that you don't know about. There's so much going on. And the thing that people realize is that, or what they don't want to realize and accept is that we are self-serving human beings. I mean, you did business studies and there's this um, concept of uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, you have to address the physical needs before you get to the physiological needs, you know, and, and that touches on it nicely. And to go into more depth, it's basically you are a human being centered in one place. You are not omnipresent. And what I mean by omnipresent is that you are not God. You are not Thor, if you like Marvel comics. You're not a supercomputer working for the FBI. 
you can't be ever at once and know everything that's going on at once. And because you are only centered in one place, your perception of the world is going to be biased because it's what you yeah. see. And it's going to be related. It's going to be related so to your you own could... personal experience as well. And like, what? I'm, yeah. So you. Could... Oh, sorry, sorry to cut you off, my bro. But what I'm, what, what's really, really just struck me is that people are. I'm not saying not everyone has to sort out. What, what people are doing is they're taking the chaos from their home, from their internal world. And then going to re-express the same chaos, but in a different format. To To the the world. world. Exactly. Causing more chaos. And I'm not saying don't share your life story. I'm not saying don't do all these things. Yet, why are you doing it? You know? what 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 is the purpose what what is the end goal here and not everything has to have an end goal or you don't have to be super successful in this that the other yet is it in accordance to the life that you want to be living is it in accordance to the type of person that you want to be when you're older and as you quite rightly stated you do it's not like you don't care you do care yet is it relevant to is it relevant to where you're at in your life right now to be able to do something about it you know and, and on that note my bro mm. i want to know well well hang on before 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 we get to, to the con- to the conclusion and end it the one thing that i wanted to point out is that people don't like the idea that we as human beings are self-serving and with that as i was alluding to and i'll try and wrap this up very quickly is like i said we are human beings we are centered in one place. We can't be omnipresent because we're not gods. We're not supercomputers. So what that means is that we perceive what we can see, which would then ultimately suggest that we have a tainted view of the world. And on top of that, it's biased because we are self-serving. So to go deeper a good person takes care of his or her family. Are you going to get rid of that? No, you can't. No, you wouldn't. You, 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 you wouldn't get rid of that. You, you wouldn't. So, what does that mean? And this is another thing that I realized. People don't understand the definition of prejudice. The definition of prejudice is favorable and non-favorable discrimination. So, the fact that you are choosing. The fact that you are choosing to take care of your family and your loved ones means that you're choosing your family to outsiders. Mm. That's Mm. what it means. And people don't like that. Look, there's a book um, in Huxley's New Mm. World. You had to submit yourself to anyone who wanted any form of sexual activity with Mm. you. Do you want to live in a world like that? where? You have to give yourself up sexually in an egalitarian manner to Mm. anyone. Because, do you know what? It is actually very rude to turn down the advances of someone who's interested in you. But that's life. That's reality. You know, that's the most prejudicial thing that you do. Yeah. It it, it is. No, no, really, it is. Like, when when you choose a sexual partner, you choose the you, you, when you choose a sexual partner. You usually, go for the most attractive, maybe the healthiest, maybe the one that doesn't piss you off the most. 
Take your pick. What about the rest of them? <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean that they're mm. bad people. Mm. So yeah, th- there's there's prejudice in 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 the battles you choose mm. to take on. That doesn't make you. You shouldn't be made to feel a bad person because you didn't choose to, um, not partake in a hashtag or some movement, or donate to some cause. You know, some people really are still at the bottom of the hierarchy of Maslow's needs. You know, some people are still really and understandably stretching on the stressing on the. Physiological needs. Some people really want to figure out where they're going to get food from, water, shelter. And then once you've established that, maybe you can strive for a sense of belonging, you know, and maybe that can come in the shape of pursuing a career you enjoy, um, helping the world, activism and so on. Finding friends, yeah, having a sense of community Mm. and so on. You know, and then you know, mm. it's it's it. And the thing is, with 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 the activism, it's <sighs> activism isn't a bad thing. I don't think activism is a bad thing. There are going to be some battles that I choose to take on that other people might not necessarily take on, and there are going to be some really important battles and fights that I have to take mm. on regardless of my situation yeah. you know but the thing is with social activism it it's as you touched on in the age of social media it's fast it's instantaneous it's now it's hard hitting you have to do it and more importantly you have to be seen mm. doing it um i was speaking on the mason greenwood situation and because i'm not on i'm only on instagram I'm not on any of the social media platforms. I have to actually watch the news, read the articles. If I'm lucky, ask a few friends. But what you can take away from that is that it takes me a while to process and to have a good understanding of what's going on. But in the process, I have to ask around. I have to be willing to formulate my ideas awkwardly and maybe, you know, in an offensive manner. (laughs) And the other thing that comes with activism is is um, PC culture, being politically correct. And I straight off the bat, I was like, look, I'm not condoning the actions of Mason Greenwood. I think what he did is absolutely reprehensible. It's disgusting. And he should face the um, consequences of his actions. But what I then went on to say was that um, I wonder what Manchester United are going to do from a business standpoint. Mm. I wonder how they're going to handle this because I don't know if you really followed football like that, but basically Mason Greenwood is a very talented footballer and he is helping Manchester United get to where they are currently. He's a really good footballer. So, you know, from a business standpoint, you have this asset that's really helping your business survive are you going to get rid of it? And straight away in the group chat, I asked this question. I was inundated with like, how can you even empathize with him? How can you even say this and that? You know, Chuck, we don't tolerate this round here. No, 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 we, we, we don't act like that. I was like, I never said I condone 
rape or the actions of Mason mm. Greenwood. I actually never said that. What I'm asking is something way, way deeper and way more, way, way, way more serious. But because people want to be seen on the side of good, they don't want to listen. They don't want to engage in the conversation. Mm. And then I went on to have the conversation with someone else and they were like, no, that's actually a really good question. And then they went on to answer my question with an example. Um, last year in summer, um, one of the Botang brothers, I think it's like the cooler one of the tattoos. I, I think it could be Jeremy. But he domestically assaulted his girlfriend. And in the process, he broke a rib cage and punctured her kidney. And he had to pay a fine of like 1.8 million euros. To who though? And he still continued to play professional football. Wow. So, you know, there have been examples. It, it answered yeah. my question. It answered That's my initial fair. question. It's like, you know, what would a club do from it? And it goes to show that there has been times where... That's fucked. Yeah. But because you can't have these conversations and you can't progress it because people are more obsessed with being so, seen on the side yeah. of good and being virtuous... We're just hitting a brick wall. We're just we're not progressing. We're not we're not going in 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 a, in a cohesive manner. And it was just like it's 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 very very upsetting because you know it's it's yeah again you know you you have to engage in these conversations. You have to be willing to formulate ideas awkwardly. You have to be willing to say some really stupid things. You have to. Mm. Yeah, you have to be. I, I, you have I, I, to be I, I, willing I to be wrong. You know, you have to be really, really willing to be wrong. And having the conversation, I think Jordan Peterson says it the best. You have to be open. You have to be willing to offend someone because that's what our conversation is. You know, um, because someone yeah. is, it, you won't necessarily get offended, but most likely, if you're formulating ideas, you probably are going to say something that a per another person doesn't agree with. You know. Um, but my bro, my, well, there's wait, going my, to be. Well, we got to start wrapping it up, my bro. We have got to start wrapping it up. We could chat for hours, and like, we'll definitely, definitely have to. Oh. We'll definitely, definitely have to do this again. Um, but um, what, what I'd really before we wrap it up, I just want to. I just want you to, I guess, have a recording stamp in time of the man, the person, the being you are becoming, and also I'd like to hear an inference of what it you think is going to become of the world as well? Um, well, I'm not particularly a nihilistic person and I don't want to be. I, I don't want to say that life is suffering and life has no meaning. I think that that's characteristic of life and there are a lot of tragedies and misfortunes that are going on in the world and to a certain degree you shouldn't take it personally and again that's not to say that there isn't suffering there isn't oppression there isn't injustices what you can do is voluntarily accept that and then strive mm -hmm. to overcome it what and try so, and become the best version of so yourself. For you personally, my because... bro, sorry to cut you out. I want to know about you, what you think is going to become of the world and what you and, and the person you are becoming. 
as well or the person you are going to become not not speaking to other people but you speaking as yourself about yourself oh yeah it would it would be a it would be a cliffhanger i guess if i was to answer that because i you see this is one of the things that i'm i'm, I'm trying to emphasize it's okay to say that you don't know there shouldn't be any shame in saying that look this is this is above this is above my level of intelligence what i know um i would like to hope that it's going to be in a positive direction mm. of course um for me it would be more of what i would like to more than where i see the world going i would like to see the world move in a direction where people are more willing to have conversations people are more willing to listen um and not afraid to be curious not afraid to formulate ideas and statements as they want to and in an age of self-censorship i want objective truths and grand narratives to still be relevant because i think that's that's really important because some of these grand narratives and these noble truths that the postmodernists are shutting down are what help us give meaning to our life mm. so and i think that could help us and even myself be guided in a good direction towards a healthier better world i love that that's really beautiful and what is going to become of Leslie or Shaq? What is going to become of you? Who are you becoming as a being on this earth? Someone who isn't afraid to risk being offensive in order to learn. Um, someone who is going to continuously embark on curiosity. Someone who isn't afraid to voice their opinions and say how they feel on things because that's another thing we live we live in a time where it's scary to speak your mind and say how you feel about things especially if it's dissenting from the status quo the, the repercussions of that and the wrath of the mob are, are, are scary and you have to be a really resilient person to be able to really uh, stand up for what you believe in and I really applaud anyone who does that so hopefully I can be that sort of person and you know just continue to strive to become a better person at least if I do that it will make the lives of the people in my life better and hopefully have a butterfly effect on the world wow yeah i love that Margaret. listen thank you so much for being here with me today uh for spewing your truth um and giving insights that i don't think many people have ever thought about or um maybe they have considered but maybe this is the conversation that they needed to really dive deeper into what else how about if you know and be more open to having that conversation and really considering what free speech is. So I just want to say thank you so much, my bro, for being here. Um, and um, it was a pleasure, man. It's always, it's always great when we speak, man. It's always great. It's never any different. So um, 
Bushi.